Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk about yet another Vikings victory, which moves Minnesota in first place with a with a bullet, 3-0 in the division. Of course, we do have a tiebreaker with all of them, but it, uh, you know, Green Bay seems to be the most important one out of that. Um, four and one, got a chance to be five and one going into the break on the bye week. Lots of positives to talk about, no doubt about it. Very, I mean, the first half beyond the last two minutes defensively was just a ridiculous display of what is possible on this squad now. The third quarter, you know, seems to be a problem, especially for the offense, but defensively kind of went left. Uh, but both sides of the ball got it back together just in time. The Bears came back from 21 to three, got ahead 22 to 21 with a right around nine minutes to play. And what a gorgeous drive that was. We'll, we'll talk all about this stuff. Great, great win. Great team win, uh, you know, on different, different, besides the third quarter, those fourth, fourth quarter, the, the three out of the four quarters was just, Really coming together. We all kind of clicked at the right time. Um, red zone was four or four. That's something we've been, we've been eyeing. Um, so yeah, lots of good talk about, you know, the up and down on both sides defensively. We were just talking about it off air that, you know, the run game, they're starting to stuff the run a little bit better these last couple of weeks. Uh, but the chunk plays still a little dicey. Anyway, we're definitely going to recap this game. Then of course we'll preview it and predict next week on the road. we got to take the show on the road in Miami. be interesting to see who is that quarterback. doesn't seem like it's going to be Tua. Teddy still has a chance to play. It may be a third string, but we'll see. And then, of course, the Gophers coming off a bye have a road game themselves at Illinois, who is now ranked because they, they lost lost a while back, but they've, you know, got some quality wins. So that should be a really interesting must-win game if we're trying to uh, get out of the West in the Big Ten. But if this is your first time listening to this year, Vikings podcast, the Purple Eaters podcast, Purple People Eaters podcast, I should say, it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropeadope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Ropeadope to uh, download the show there or listen uh, directly in the browser, you can find this year Vikings Pod under the Rope Dope Radio Podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and a host of other. Uh, we have a Spricker page as well, uh, living in Loserville there. Um, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelytruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're having, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Uh, it's the best of live TV and on demand. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. You get to enjoy regional sports networks without those additional fees. The prices start for a limited time at $49.99 for two months. If you decide on the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of Showtime Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. That gives you $160, three months of savings. That's direct TV stream. Okay. Going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Aaron, into the fold. And, uh, you know, back to that whole a win is a win is a win. Um, the Vikes got it done. They're 4-1. and one. 
and uh, sitting pretty in the NFC North, that is. They are sitting pretty. 3-0 and in the division, um, not seeing anybody but Detroit till really late in the season. And, you know, it's it's an improbable way of getting to 4-1, and but, you know, I'm not going to complain about any way you end up at 4-1. and I didn't think we'd be anywhere near 4-1 uh, when the season started. Um, but, you know, speaking of four, can we get four quarters? I mean, we're getting there. We got three good ones. Uh, let's try to get four and not put the game up in the air like it was uh, on Sunday. Yeah, especially that one. Because when you're up 21-3, to three, I, I know that, like, this year especially heading into to week five there, um, but after four weeks, what they say, 50 different games uh, came down to – uh, one score, and I think the week week four, it was 15 out of the 16 games were one-score games. We know all that. We've lived and died with that these last two years, especially last year. Uh, but you're right, man. To put all four quarters doesn't mean you got to dominate every quarter, but it would be nice. But speaking of domination, um, wow. I mean, what a great way to come out. We were getting the ball to Jefferson for first downs. Uh, like three or four nice runs by Cook. I think a 14 and a 16 yarder uh, by Jefferson um, started out great. Cook got in. It looked like Jefferson got in, but then, you know, when you look back at it, actually it didn't. He had four catches on that early drive. Cook got in. Mund had a great block there. 7-0, um, 12 plays, almost seven minutes, 85 yards, seven for seven. Hell of a way to start the game. Um, <laughs> on the other side of it, first play, though, 30-yard screen <laughs> catch and run by Montgomery. Welcome back. Uh, Pat P got a, a pass interference on a ball that looked like it wasn't even on the same field. But, you know, it was. It definitely was a good call. Um, nice little six, you know, play drive, but they did, you know, stifle them a little bit. 50-yard kick, make it at 7 um, to three cousins and JJ now up after that dude, it was 14 to three Jefferson's got six catches, 72 yards. Uh, cousins is like 13 of 13. Um, we had a couple third downs there. Walk in touchdown by cook. Another 11 play six minute drive 14 to three shit was looking lovely after three possessions total. Yeah, wasn't that something? I mean, you don't see, what, at that point, what, 13 for 13, something like that? Jefferson all over the place, schemed open everywhere. Um, then a few decoy plays, they got Thielen involved uh, with a couple of catches there. KJ got a little something early. So it's like, okay, that works really, really well. Cook couldn't really get it going right away, but uh, as the game progressed, you know, he picked up some yardage and just started running like Cook again. Keep hearing guys losing steps all the time. I'm hearing that in the media. It's like, okay, dude, just – Relax a little bit. I don't think Cook's lost a step. There's not mu- that much tread on his tire. And, uh, you know, he's been injured. He had an injured year. Uh, he, a couple games every year he's out. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But offense was clicking like I haven't seen almost ever. I think it was a record for Kirk. No, it wasn't a record for Kirk. It was a record for consecutive uh, completed passes uh, up to, like, 17 or something. So, you don't see that often with anyone to go 17 straight, and they weren't, you know, 
checkdowns. They weren't, you know, off to the flat. They weren't CJ handballs. They were just good, solid strikes down the field to Jefferson, to Thielen, to Irv Smith. Just an all overall first half, first quarter, first three possessions, just surgical offense. I don't think they scripted three drives, but it sure looked like it. Yeah, no kidding. You're right. They were all long. Even the the one that made it 21 to three. Prior to that, uh, this is early second quarter. May, you know the the Vikes defense had them a three and out. I think Fields uh, fumbled on an early snap and on third down. Hunter, who had a good game, very good game, his best game I'd say uh, of the year. Maybe the first one was. I don't know, but he got a nice sack. The nine play, 71 yards, six. Six minutes, 21 to three, beautiful toss to, to JJ for like 32 yards. Cook was starting to cook. Um, it was third and goal. Actually, on a third and 10 to Jefferson, that was a, a really nice play. But then third and goal, that little pitch play, that little toss play that we don't really use that much, but we see it around the league in both uh, pros and college on a third and goal. 21 to three, you're thinking, man. This is this is lovely, and then they forced another punt. Now the Vikings, uh, I think they had five or six plays and had to punt. Um, then it got a little dicey after this point. Four plays, fifty yards deep to Mooney. Um, that one hand grab by Mooney that I think was thirty nine yards. That was ridiculous. Another one, the third and eight, a run that kind of was a misdirection. You could do that with with Fields a lot. And by the way, I like that we've done that too with these pitches, looking like it's going to go the other way. But back to Fields in Montgomery, third and eight. Montgomery runs right up the middle on a like I said misdirect, and it's like, huh, okay, twenty one to ten. You're thinking, all right, well we'll see what we do here. And I really liked the aggressiveness. We've been talking about this to close. The quarters uh, just missed a 53-yard field goal. Loved the aggressiveness. Jefferson in Osborne uh, got a catch. It was like an eight-play, 40 yards in a minute, minute eight. Um, we spiked the ball with like two or three seconds. Matson dropped the ball. Otherwise, that could have been more of like a, a 45-yard field goal. Um, but, you know, so I still felt pretty good. At the half, though, here's a blast from the past. Jefferson had a record as far as catches in the first half going all the way back to 1995. Amp Lee. I was like, Amp Lee? Oh, my goodness. I remember that name. Uh, It was kind of funny to hear that name come up. But, yeah, the defense and offense, you know, third quarter definitely more of an offensive issue this year. But, you know, the defense said, hey, we'll pitch in on that as well. They just let up a touchdown drive, quick strike. And then to lead off the half, long, long drive, um, took up a you know a decent amount of time, and uh, yeah, it was starting to get a little shaky there. All of a sudden, it's twenty-one sixteen, and I think Brown had a nice long catch. Uh, Field had like ducked under pressure, had a scramble, twenty-three yard uh, pass, uh, but on first and goal, Jones caught the ball pretty wide open if I remember correctly um and they did fit Danzler made a hell of it by the way Danzler had a great game we'll talk more about that obviously but Danzler made a really great play sniffed it out for that two-point conversion and then you're like okay no big deal it's 21-16 
the Bears got aggressive, and they went for the, you know, onside kick. We recovered it, but weren't able to take advantage of it. Um, Evans made a good play on that uh, onside kick uh, recovery, but I think it was like third and eight or third and ten. I think we got behind the sticks there, too. Cousins got hit in the back, looked like Herb was open, could have been a first down. Then there was a blocked field goal, and at that point you're like, okay, dude, shit's not going good. We just had a blocked field day. They come back with 11-play drive on a third and seven Mooney um, deep to Har- you know, Harrison Smith you know, beat by a step, came back and, and got that pass break up. They did force it, thank God. There was a fourth and four where Fields scrambled too. Um, but it was 21-19 at that point, and you're thinking, oh, boy, you know, here we go again. It, it, you know, we don't normally – usually we'll get like a 7-0 lead or just be up 7 and then give up leads. Lately we've been coming back from down. But being down 20 – or being up 21-3 and then it's 21-19, it felt a little shaky there, man, heading, you know, deep third, early fourth. Yeah, it just, you know, it kind of piled up. It all started with Mooney, that catch, and it seemed like momentum switched, and they, the Bears just kind of rode the momentum into the third quarter and kept going, and we just kind of dropped it a little bit, I think. Uh, everybody got a little flat, and, um, you know, speaking of fourth down conversions, like, is the whole field fourth down territory now? This defense is gaining <laughs> no respect. They really are. Teams are going on fourth and six, fourth and three, fourth and four. They just... No respect for this defense short yardage-wise, and that's got to get shored up because I, I get sick of seeing it. It's just it's a slap in the face, and you got to take it that way. If someone's going on fourth and six at midfield, you're thinking they don't really think much of your front seven at all. And so, you know, I you know Fields did that. A few plays where he got away, guys aren't wrapping up, and the pressure was there. It's just they weren't getting home, and uh, that's a lot of defensive line rotation. But, you know, you're thinking that, you know – 21-3 is now 21-19, and the ghosts of Vikings pass are just, you know, coming. You're sitting on the couch, you know, sarcastically chuckling um, at this point, like, yeah, well, you you miss a field goal, you do this. You know, if you had it, that field goal, you had three more points, and then the game's a different game. And, you know, you're going through all the stuff in your head that you're so used to going through. And you just, you know, you got to shore some of that stuff up, get the defense off the field, and, you know, start – especially a team like the Bears where they don't do a lot of throwing the ball. It's more running the ball. And um, if you can't stop the run, Chris, it's a broken record. It's just going to keep coming at you. And a little bit of that started happening until the defense kind of tightened up. Yeah, you're right. And it's always the messed up scores, too. you got to start doing math. Okay, well, if we do – okay, so if that's a three ball, we're going to have to go for the two-point – you know, just like – anyway – 21 to, to 19, we did get the ball, uh, didn't do much with it, five plays. I remember Cook had a nice uh, 13-yard run. We did have a holding penalty. Um, Herb Smith, uh, on a third down, made a great catch on a – actually, I think it was a – oh, no, it was a great uh, – it was a great catch that got us to fourth and short, and we were fourth and four. Got to do that because Jefferson true – a holding penalty, um, and then Cousins, really the, the worst throw of the game, obviously, really the only thing he did really bad or whatever, um, you know, had the, and it's funny because Twitter has been lighting up 
some of this exact play where the the short guys open and they're spinning off kind of like uh, Osborne on that touchdown two weeks ago where it looked like it was the, the whole play was going to go to the short guy, but yet, you know, it spun off. He got open. There's a couple of times where that happened yesterday where the – or sorry, two games ago where the corner looked like he was going to go after that short route and it spun, um, you know, the guy behind him, Thielen and I think Jefferson, maybe Osborne too. But it's just – it's the same play, and it's it, – uh, we saw it broken down a lot and – Lo and behold, Cousins said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go aggressive. And, um, he thought that the corner would do exactly what, uh, it had looked like the last two weeks they did. And that Bowder, he was just sitting there. He got greedy, basically, Cousins. If he went to Ham right there, and I know just the short pass to Ham, we don't, it's not the short pass to Ham. It just, if you do three or four, four of them a game, that's where it gets old. But he was one on one with a guy that was, a handful of yards, uh, you know, behind him. So that that could have been a first down, and we could have scored. We could have, like, stopped some of that momentum. But it was a bonehead play. Cousins even talked about it, how it's the same play we've been seeing lately. And he said, this time I'm going to take the risk and just assume that they're, they're going to leave it open again. And that was not the case. Um, and, you know, once again, that field's run, though, I was like, oh, shit, here we go. We got ourselves – uh, a hole to dig out now, but there was uh, uh, Smith Morissette did get a holding on Cam, funny enough. Um, and either way, they did, you know, I remember Pat P had a good tackle on a third down, um, but it, it, we basically did force him to kick a field goal. It was a 51 yarder, and for the first time of the game, 22 to 21. Um, like around nine minutes left of the game. And, uh, you know, I'm glad it wasn't a touchdown. Thank God that Fields wasn't a, a 53-yard touchdown run. Um, but it, yeah, it's like, oh, man, here we go. Are we going to have to – are we going to really wait until the end of this game? That was not the case, though. We basically had damn near two drives in one with 17 plays. You could have a, a seven-play drive and a 10-play. He'd be just fine. 17 plays – 75 yards, seven minutes, touchdown, QB sneak on third down. Um, J.J. made a great reach-out play to make it 29-22. Some highlights from there. Cook in Matson, Cook getting the tough yards, and then that great first down catch, um, little running catch. The screen pass really was working well for both of them. Cook on that drive and a nice first down run. Just production there. Cousins scrambling on that third down with a pocket to move up to. And instead of sliding, he knew he had to get the first down. Um, that Cousins throw that he threaded on the edge there where that defender went for the pick and it just barely, feeling just barely got that. Irv made a hell of a catch there too. Just an all-purpose drive. I mean, dude, five third down conversions. And overall, 12 of 15 on third down, which is almost unheard of. I mean, that is the way you finish a freaking, almost basically finish in the game. But, you know, when you really need something to not only get the points to, you know, not be just a field goal with all those third downs. I loved how they said, you know what, the defense is adapting. Let's adapt with it and dink and dump and, and we'll get the plays yards after catch. Because they clearly weren't let 
Jefferson go deep or anybody go deep there for a while. What a freaking drive, though, man. It really was. I mean, you just think to yourself, how many times do you want to close a game out like that? Now you're right, it didn't close the game out entirely, but it did what it needed to do. And, you know, you took what the defense gave you repeatedly. Uh, you made third down conversions. There weren't penalties, so you weren't in first and 20, second and 15. You stayed ahead of the chains, and you worked your way down the field. Now, 17 plays is a lot of plays to get down the field, but you take what they give you, and you work at it, and that's what they did. And you just don't really, you know, that's not something you're used to yet. We'll see how the season progresses. So, of course, you're probably woes me at the moment going, ah, I just don't see this going. But, you know, as the plays progress, as things happen, and you got to get into play calling there too as well, O'Connell. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Playing chess there, working with it. And uh, Kirk was executing. And I think Kirk needs a lot of credit right now. I, I know there's a lot of haters and, uh, I'm probably in that category, but I haven't been impressed with a lot of things that he's done lately. Uh, he's been given, I think, more control offensively um, to make changes at the line and, and other things, which we'll get into uh, probably later. But, you know, to see – that's what it, I've been wanting to see from Kirk Cousins for three years is that ability to control the offense and move them down the field when it's needed – and I really saw it there, and everybody executed. Jefferson, Smith, uh, Everson, everybody. Like five Offensive guys. Line, you know, everybody. yeah. Yep, we haven't even talked And you needed it, Chris. That was when you needed it. You know, it's not like, you know, you did execute like that first drive, second drive, third drive. Sure, right. And you yep. got a good lead, but then that lead, you lost the lead. Now you got to get it back, and that's the necessary time when you have to take command of that stuff. And I thought his run there was a, a great sign. He climbed up in the pocket earlier, made a good throw to Jefferson. Starting to do things, I think, loosening up maybe a little bit. I don't know what caused it, but he seems a little bit more loose, a little more confident, and it's good to see, and it's really helped the team, I think, offensively. And, you know, Cook is starting to get into a lather now. He's starting to run, find his holes, start to break chunk plays, 15 yards. He hasn't broke a touchdown yet, but, you know, you're kind of getting Madison. Yeah, he got bad. tripped on his touchdown. That's true. So, uh, well, yeah, more than likely he was going to score there. But um, Madison's kind of the battering ram. He comes in for some short yardage stuff. Cookie's allowed to fly in between the tackles, and he still get the edge. So I don't want to hear anybody say he's lost a step because yeah. nobody gets the edge or gets the corner or the pylon. Uh, you're not going to get it if you try to race Delvin for the pylon. He's just got a knack for that. So, yeah, what a drive, man. And, you know, it's kind of like – cathartic drive, you know, because it's just something you've wanted to see in those situations. And for the last two seasons, Chris, you haven't seen much of that. And by the way, remember week one, we actually had to punt at the end of the game because Cook ran out of bounce and everyone was giving shit for him. He ran out of bounce at the 245 mark when we still had the ball. I was like, dog, come on, Cookie. Um, well, I will say this, though. Jimbo Fisher put some fucking miles on those tires, some tread on those tires with Florida State, though. I will say that. That dude would be a – you need 38 or 30 – can you handle the 39th one today? We're going to give you the ball. Um, but, yeah, man. And then, once again, it got a little shaky, though. Like, what, second play from scrimmage, 36 yards or something. Like, they had a big play. It was like, oh, right off the bat, okay, we're going to we're gonna give them a big big little play here. Yeah, it was Montgomery, 21 yards. That's what it was. Um and then obviously 
if you'd like to describe uh, our guy Cam against our former guy Smith Marset to, to close the game, I'll leave it to you, sir. Well, I mean, I talked to you a little bit uh, off mic, and you know, I don't know what happened to Amir Smith Marset here. I don't think anybody really knows the story unless you're uh, in that locker room. But there was some. Uh, rumors of some things being said. I'm not going to get into them because I can't, you know, uh, authenticate any of that. But it appeared to me that there was a little bad blood in that whole exchange with uh, Amir and uh, and Cam Dantzler. Maybe something from training camp. Maybe something left over. It's just speculation on my part. But you know, everybody's giving Cam though. You don't never give up on a play stuff. I don't know if it's that. I think that was pure hatred or something. I mean. He got stiff-armed pretty hard. Yeah, it's hard. probably embarrassment, too. <laughs> he got stiff-armed pretty hard. Really he hard. Like, you know, he, he got up quick. Like he was a needle, right? <laughs> yeah. And he got grabbed that ball with a lot of force, and it's like, okay, well, I mean, a great play no matter what reason it was done. Um, but it just seemed like there was a little something more to it, and uh, the celebration kind of also went into that theory a little bit. But what a great play. I mean, you get stiff-armed, you get up. Guy's there, you find him, and you just rip the ball out to close the game. You don't see that often either. Usually you get a pick or a fumble or something. But uh, what a way to close out a game. Now, that's the true close of the game, and uh, just a great play, uh, a little shocking. Cam had a great game kind of all around, and you know, with him it's like a quiet type of game. Like you don't see him. Uh, they don't. He gets targets, but he gives up a pass here and there, but you don't see a lot, but then, you know, he, when, it, when he does show up, it's generally in a, some sort of splash situation. And this was a big one, man. This has really put that game on ice. Yeah, you're right, man. It, it really did. It was, uh, it was huge. It was, it was major, man. It was, it was definitely because, you know, they came in one of the worst offenses besides rush offense uh, in the league. So, and let's kind of go with the defense. We had, uh, you know, um, we had, Plenty of positives. It didn't feel like it because of those four straight drives. Um, but when you, you know, rush-wise, we did, you know, hold them to four, what was it? I think they came in 4.9. We held them to 78 yards rushing, which when you're coming in, you know, 3.3, when you're coming in, you know, at a buck 70 a game, that is improvement. And a lot of those, it wasn't just like there, let's run, run, run. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. They were, you know, the quarterback was doing some of that as well, making people miss like you, you were talking about. Um, so it, it was kind of an up-and-down game for the defense and for the team, I, I would have to say. But um, we're starting to see now weeks in a row where we are starting to slowly but surely contain this run. And when you look at Detroit, they're second in the league at 5.4 a carry. New Orleans is eighth in the league coming in at five. And I think Chicago was 11th. And they ran a bunch, too. So um, the past few weeks, this is from Rob Sears, or Sears, um, we're seventh in uh, carries allowed uh, now. So it is starting to come back a little bit. And then when you talk about um, getting pressure, you know, that was something that we got a little better at. Um, Wandham didn't play a ton of snaps. Got five pressures. Zadarius got five. Uh, Blacklock guy two. Phillips two. Thomason two. And Hunter two. Hunter got a sack and five tackles, I believe. DJ, Zadarius, 
and Hunter got a sack. So, you know, we are, we did see a lot of pressure. I'll say that. Um, and you know, we, we're making strides defensively. I mean, if you look at like pass rush, pass, excuse me, rush grades, uh, right now at seventh is Tomlinson. So he is getting some push. Um, we do need more just in general consistently. Uh, this last game and then obviously game one, we got plenty, but that, that hurts, you know, the back end, everybody, if you don't get that pressure and whether we're blitzing or not, you know, I think we talked about how we were fourth least blitzes uh, coming into this game. Uh, however you're able to get pressure, we're not able to get a ton even when we blitz. Um, and, you know, defensively, what is it? Uh, here's how they rank defensively. Uh, first quarter, 21st. Second quarter, 19th. Uh, third quarter, 29th. And then fourth quarter, 7th in the league. So that that's pretty good. The the point dis- differential though, one of the worst in the league in the third quarter and the fourth best, and that's just offense and defense as a team there. Um, so obviously third quarter, especially offense, but defense too does need to tighten up. But defensively, we're seeing signs, but it doesn't feel like we're going to be a top ten defense in a variety of categories. I was just going to say that. I don't think any of us expected a top five defense uh, coming into the season. And they are coming together a little bit. There is pressure. I think that Donatel is one of those guys who dials up a blitz very sparingly. He likes to get there with what he's got. But I think, you know, it's more of a surgical kind of timing sort of blitz calling thing. And you need to see Kendricks come through on a couple blitzes. And I think he's got different things. I'm not seeing a lot of stunts, but I don't. I think that might be three, four stuff where you don't see a heck of a lot of stunts. But you know, I could be wrong there. I don't. I don't know the intricacies of the three, four as well as some other people. But you're not seeing a lot. But they are creating pressure, and I think that was something that changed from last week. Is we really didn't see much uh, for pressure, and now there was an abundance of pressure, but they couldn't really get home. But you can't really blame them. Justin Fields is wily, kind of Russell Wilson like back there. Um, so I think the pressure will help. Um, the corners are still playing off a little bit, which I don't love, but I'm willing to go along with whatever scheme's going on here. And we still got a lot of uh, room in the middle for crossing routes and uh, sitting in zones and things like that, which I don't love. But like I said, I'm willing to go along with that scheme. Um, and it's like, well, you know, is it going to come together? Because we talked a little bit, and it's like, there's not a real thing to point to here. You know, we have the rotation on the defensive line. It's kind of weak, except for the top two. You get down to Blacklock, Lynch. Um, what's the other guy? Bullard. Yeah. Um, you, you're not writing home about any of those guys. So it's basically, you know, Phillips and Tomlinson. And you can't play them every down, although we'd probably like to see him play a, a few more downs. Right. Um, so you're giving up some run. You're giving up some pass. But like you said, it's tightening up in the fourth to get us to the number seven there, which is when it matters. And these games are generally close. Uh, this one shouldn't have been as close as it was, but nonetheless, it was. Um, so you like to be, you know, if you're going to be tightening up anywhere, it's probably the fourth quarter is a great place to do that. So I think it's still a work in progress. I'm not ready to fire anybody yet, but it's like, you know, you want to see something and there's really nothing to point to. Well, you know, if this happens or we got rookie corners or we got, rookie safeties or, you know, somebody's trying to figure something out. You could point to something and say that that's going to get better, but it's just kind of the way it is. And 
we'll see how it progresses. I don't want to go give up, you know, 29 points to Miami, but you know, you, if you can outscore them, that's the name of the game and that's what we've been doing. So I guess you can't complain too much, but uh, we are used to having stingy defenses uh, sans the last couple of years. So, you know, you're going to get top 10, probably not, but you want to probably stay between 10 and 15. And I think they got a chance to, to probably end up somewhere in there come season's end. Yeah, I think they were 12th in scoring heading into this week. I don't know what it ended up. Um, but and it may be that, you know, through the draft and free agency that we do add some different pieces because, you know, it is a major change. Uh, but to your point, it's not like we got young corners. I mean, Cam's not old, but he's been playing. The, 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 it just seems like everyone's doing their job. It's just we can't. There's just one guy out of place or, you know, that type of thing. All 11 to the, to you know, hats to the ball. and all. I don't know. We're, we're going to find out, though. But like you said, definitely way better than 2020 and definitely way better than 2021. That still got pressure and all that. It got sacks, especially, you know, the first six, eight, you know, six, eight games when they actually had Hunter and other folks. Um, but clearly – They've made strides. Yeah, this last week they gave up a, a touchdown, a quick touchdown in the last two minutes of the second. But they've definitely made strides uh, from being the worst in the last 22 years at that last two minutes of half. So that in itself is major. And like I said, these games, 14 one-score games last season, we tied for second, I think, with like three teams. Uh, since the merger, that was the most in the NFL last year, though, as far as any team. We were 6-8 and eight in those games. We're 3-0 and oh this season in the one-score games. So the mentality of being, you know, we basically have a variety of people back. The core of our team, the leaders of our team, a lot of them are back. Uh, sure, we could talk about Pierce and Barr and some other players. We just mentioned, two that were on the Bears. But overall, we have a lot of guys back from that team. And, you know, it is they, – they they had to have been talking about it a whole lot. Hey, dude, if we just tighten this up, you know, we could get like 10 or 11 wins here. Um, before we go to some of the superlatives about Jefferson and the other parts of the offense, right, let's talk offensive line. We've been talking about this interior line since 2018. We're not going to go over the names. There's a lot of them. But this line is playing – better than serviceable right now, and all we wanted was serviceable. Um, the young Rook having his issues from time to time, but what I like about him is making plays back, and it's really just pass protection. And they're not just picking on Bradbury like they used to. They are kind of picking on Ingram, but, hey, he's a rookie. So um, I got to say, and then obviously Derisaw. I mean, this guy – I think out of 19 tackles that have played 200 pass block snaps, this comes from Rob again. Uh, only he uh, Derisaw ranks third in the league, only seven pressures, and I think uh, O'Neill on the other side is 10 pressures. That's seventh in the league. Um, so we know we got the bookends right now. Uh, we know Cleveland's pretty solid. I got to give a little credit to, to Bradbury, especially on the pass protection. Some of that is they're saying, hey, we got a rook we're going to take advantage of, so I don't want to just act like all of a sudden Bradbury's this stud guy down there. But they're being either serviceable or a step up. Now, 
week two against Philly and last week, pretty bad interior. But those other three games, serviceable and above for sure. Well, what that leads me to believe, Chris, is that when you're facing uh, dominant defensive lines, you're still going to have a problem on the interior. Um, but when you're dealing with uh, Chicago in a rebuilding mode, uh, you're probably going to have decent games uh, from that part of your offensive line. Nonetheless, like you said, we're asking for ser- serviceable, and I think we're coming in right around league average. And darisaw has been impressive. He's gone up against some really great talent and has held his own. Uh O'Neal, now that he's the uh, second-best tackle, he's getting a little bit more heat, and uh, it's showing, but he's holding his own as well. Bradbury seems to be able to pass block now, whether it's coaching or his extra weight or, or maybe some change he's made in his technique. Seems to be working out pretty well. He's not ending up in Kirk's lap, which is nice. Um, Cleveland seems to be good in the run in the pass. And then the Rook, you know, like you said, he – he doesn't make the same mistake twice, which is what you want to see. And he's coming along well, and, you know, he seems to be on the positive end of most whistles and, and so on. So, you know, got to give him time. He is the rookie. But um, overall, Chris, I mean, and they're young. I mean, you're talking about a really young offensive yeah, right. line here. And so with time to build and get some depth under them and and so on. So this is what we've been waiting for five, for five years. and. We just needed that guard, I guess, um, and then a couple tackles to move, and then, well, let's not go down the litany of ways we got here. Nonetheless, we're here. It's kind of like the four and one record. Let's not go over the four and one record. Let's just be happy that it's four and one. Same with the offensive line. Um, and if they're league average now and they're young, they can possibly progress to uh, maybe one of the league's best. We'll see. But I do think there's a depth problem there. So obviously, you're going to want to try to shore up a little bit of depth and but yeah I've been impressed so far and I'm sure that some of Kirk's success is due to uh, a little better protection in the pass plays and and the running the run game has always been pretty good with them and uh, it's starting to come along here too so yeah I've been pretty impressed with them and and will continue to be if they keep up this uh, this level of play yeah and right now we are pass first and have been for a little bit but Hey man, if if the running game, like you said, can improve, and I think it can, uh, we'll definitely be in good shape. Um, some of the superlatives, uh, Jefferson, um, through three, what is it? He set the record for catches, two twenty eight, past Randy Moss, two twenty six, a franchise record for most pass receptions uh, in a player's first three seasons. So he's obviously good. Now, remember, Thielen's a damn good player, but he's not Chris Carter. So, you know, he did have Chris Carter on that side. Let, let's not forget about that uh, for the Moss ways anyway. But he, it's also 12 catches was the career-high single game for Jefferson. Um, and we talked about this stat a little while ago about him um, moving up there on the on the receiving for your first three years since the Super Bowl, since the merger, 150-plus-yard games. We talked about it. Only Moss, he had four at the time, and Moss had six, and now Jefferson's tied with six, so I think he's got another buck 50 in him. Um, I mean, when you're when it was like nine of nine for targets, I mean, that is 
that's ridiculous. Uh, he is just really and, – and, and also that goes along with, like you said, the, the coach scheming him open, putting him on the move more. That sec, you know that uh, that two point conversion was a great play coming out of the backfield. It, it's really tough, just one on one. And even when you are there to make the play, he still made the play himself. Um, and, How about and that? I, How about that pass across the field? Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice play. That that was a hell of a play, actually. Little razzle dazzle. The other one didn't. Still was positive. It didn't. It didn't fall apart, but it, it clearly something went wrong there on the other little razzle dazzle. But still, you got some yardage out of it. Um, as far as the offense goes, that twelve of fifteen on third down was uh, the third worst third down percentage uh, in Bears history for defense. So this is not your nineteen eighty five uh, Bears. And then that seventeen straight completions. Tommy Kramer had the record for completions at 16 in a row, dating back. We're back to this 1979 thing, the Bears thing. Remember last or two weeks ago? (laughs) Or no, against Detroit. November 11th, 1979 against Green Bay, Kramer had 16 completions in a row. Two drink, Tommy. Um, That was the only, I think we had, was it two holding plays? Or maybe just one on offense. Um, but, you know, that was our first holding play of the season, first P.I. of the season as well. And remember, this is uh, our guy Phil Mackey at 1,500. He was saying, by contrast, 26 offensive holding penalties in 2021 on the season. That was the second most. We know Udo had a bunch of those. But, um, I mean, it's it's looking damn good. It's looking really good in, in you know, man. The whole Kirk thing, the narrative thing, it, I do see some people, and of course we had that little segment last week, so people, you know, got in the comments and all that. But I was just trying to show, they re- literally took that Rodgers thing literally, you know, and I was trying to show how that stack can be thrown in your face, not that he's on the, even on the same planet as Rodgers. I clearly stated he's a top five all-timer. I was just showing, like, like the stat, right? Cousins is the only – so this is a stat that I would use to blow up Cousins, right? Oh, yeah? Well, Cousins is the only guy in Rodgers' career, which has been a long one, to beat him three separate times, bro. That proves it. Three can – you know, that's how stupid some of these things are. But remember, I'm saying it as a joke. Well, it's not a joke. It's real, but it's a joke. I'm sarcastic with it. Um, but, I mean, we keep saying this stuff about, oh, fourth quarter, you can't do this. It's all garbage stuff. I- I'll repeat it. Last week we talked about the stat. I'll do it again because i got to add to it. The last 21 games, 10 times this offense is the way I put it, not just Kirk, not just Jefferson, not just the offensive line and everybody. 10 times in the last 21 games they've either scored a fourth quarter tie game time or go ahead and lately a lot of it's been going ahead so you can stay and by the way that was the first touchdown of the season for the bears to allow it in the second half so in four and four of the red zone we've been really up and down it's either uh three of five or two of five or or three of three or four or four so we definitely gotta there's there's inconsistencies we've talked about it third quarter as a team especially offensive but um 
I do – the narratives are pretty funny because all of a sudden they're starting to point to his stats, Aaron, to prove that he's not having a good year. And it's like, oh, oh, so now we do have the stats played into it. Uh, okay, gotcha. Uh, and I'm talking about the over-the-top uh, folks. I'm not talking about people that are just kind of in between on them, uh, wanted to trade them, whatever. It is what it is. Um, I do think what you're saying, though, as far as the Kendricks being slow and all that, those are the people that wanted to trade our eight best players. And then somehow we were going to be able to keep Jefferson on the team. <laughs> and we're going to get any new rookies just destroyed if we did that. Um, blowing it up meant, sure, if people want Cook, maybe we trade them. If people want Hunter, maybe we trade them. Obviously, Cousins would be the biggest part of that blow up. But, you know, that's where the argument was. What Do we blow it up and not have something ready? You know, so yeah, we could add a couple of nice players, but we've had great, a, a solid defense and a great offensive line, but a mediocre quarterback in years past. We've already done that for years. You know, Culpepper to Favre time frame, and then after Favre, that's what we've been doing. We've had solid offensive lines, we've had solid teams, but we just needed a, 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 a pretty damn good quarterback. So I've never tried to say he was elite, but. Either well, look, way, man, like, I did get some know, shit back at that, acting like I was saying he's right up there with Rodgers. I was just showing a stat how not all stats can be misleading. Like I've said, I think he's a very good quarterback with great stats. Doesn't mean I think he's top five. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they, they really uh, – it's funny, though. Don't you have to admit, because you haven't done it. You haven't been like, well, if you look at his stats, he's, he's playing just okay. It is funny, though, that they're turning stats on Cousins when that's what they always used against them. Well, here's the thing. I mean, look, the only thing, you know, I guess you can say consistent in life is that things change, and, and things change. It's No one's been more critical of Kirk than me, but I've always tried to be somewhat fair in my criticism and try to be look around, and I think you've helped me a little bit with that because sometimes, you know, I get a little off, off you know, knee-jerk with some things, but – Look, you know, he's playing better this year. Now, he played better last year than he had played the year before that. And I'm not saying he's on a line of progress here. But what I'm saying is that you can't dig your heels in on a position and then refuse to change when the evidence changes or the evidence right. of something else. He's having a great year so far. He had a great year last year. Defense wasn't very good. But you can't blame last year on Kirk because the defense or the offense was scoring 20 eight points a game enough to win and uh, this year there's a new step and I think that has to do with the coaching change and the change in offense and a little bit more 100%. command in what he has in front of him Zimmer was pretty rigid with what he wanted <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's an understatement there um, and so you know the thing is is that as far as I'm concerned is when you got to give the devil his due and right now he's playing very well and you can praise him for that and not think he's better in Rodgers or on the same par as Rodgers. I mean, even <laughs> Rodgers' play isn't as great as it was, you know, four years ago. So things change in this league on a yearly basis. And right now Kirk's playing good. Enjoy it. Um, when he starts to play not so well, you can criticize. You're free to do that. But don't dig your heels into one side or the other and be blind to any changes that might occur. 
And that's generally uh, how it goes. My biggest criticism, Chris, as I've said many times on the show, and we've been over it again, is just his contract and how much he makes. And now we know that that's pretty much the going rate for a starting quarterback at this point. Thanks to Kirk. Thanks to Mahomes. Thanks to a lot of guys signing for big money. So if you're going to have a competent starting quarterback that's not on a rookie scale contract, you're going to have to pay in the 30s or above, which is roughly 14, 15% of your cap. And you're going to have to learn how to field a roster that way. Otherwise, you're going to get lucky on a rookie somewhere and get the rookie scale contract. But how many, at some point, that contract is going to expire and you're going to have to pay the 14, 15% of your salary cap to a starting quarterback. Um, and maybe if you go for a longer term extension, you can, you know, move yeah, the money around and make things right. work a little bit. But nonetheless, that was always my concern is I wanted a bigger, a better roster. But that's not the position we're in. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to draft a guy at some point and all these Kirk haters will get their way. And then we'll just have to see, you know, were you happy with the f- top 14 to 12 to 10 best quarterback in the league? Or do you want to take a chance on someone else? And for everybody else losing a step and all this other stuff, Chris, you mentioned earlier that it just seems defensively that everybody's kind of in their place, which leads me to believe it's a scheme issue. And uh, if that is the case, then something needs to be made there. I don't think Kendricks has lost a step. I don't think Hicks has lost a step. Possibly Harrison Smith, but he's in a great position to where if you lose a step, you're going to be okay. And when he was um, down a step, look what he just did in the game. You know, I don't see him sure. losing a step at all. And even Peterson is not getting picked on too much, and he's savvy enough. Even if he is losing a step, he can make up for it for a year or two. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that it's got to be schemed defensively. I don't want to kick all these players out. I don't think Kendricks is ready to retire. And I, I just, it's a lot of people trying to come up with a narrative. If there's anything to me defensively, that's a problem. It's probably scheme, and that's something that's going to have to be worked out, but that's above my pay grade. And if they're not happy with Donatell and his performance, then they have to do something about it. But the silver lining there is you have Mike Pettin just sitting there mm. uh, if they do decide to make a move. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's going to be a improvement, but it will definitely be a change. So there's a lot of knee-jerk stuff. I get a lot of comments, too. And yeah, I'm a Kirk hater because I have a critical thing to say, and all of a sudden you said you you didn't like Kirk, and all of a sudden you're saying he's – Good because he completed 17 to 17. Well, anybody who completes 17 to 17, even Tommy Kramer coming off a bender. Yeah. (laughs) That was probably more impressive that Tommy. Right. (laughs) Did it with a hangover. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And I'll give the devil's due and praise it then. So, you know, things change. You got to don't get so set in your position that you can't change with uh, changing evidence. We're all passionate about our team. You know, we are, we're all passionate about our team. I just think that – so I don't really – I may snicker at some fans or call them fanboys or whatever, but it's really the media is where most of uh, the talk is, you know, um, in this extra – like the cap hell thing. I mean, that was fucking ridiculous. The $45 million never existed because until you're in that year, it, it technically is not there on the cap. Not yet, and sure enough, it wasn't. And if we're being fair about the money, last year he was ranked 14th. This year he's ranked 10th. His extension is 36 mil next year, 40 million and up for his uh, production. That's what they're getting. I mean, Rodgers, like to sit there and, and I'm not talking about you, but some people are like, he's getting paid like Rodgers. He's getting paid next year 
$15 million less than Rodgers, dude. Stop. You know, Rodgers is getting 50. 45 to 50 is like the going rate. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it. And like you said, you pointed out, and we've talked about this too, I think the Spielman fucked up on the uh, the extension. He should have just extended it longer to four years, uh, the original one, and then we could have the cap could have been even more manageable. But um, it's it's just silly, dude. It's like he's not he's not the only year he got paid overpaid was his first year when he signed that new contract. And usually the first year of a three or four year contract. Guess what? There's a lot of money involved. But we're talking about new money, thirty six million is new, brand new money, and in that market, for, for guys that are productive, because that's how you get paid, is off your productivity, that's just facts, it's nowhere, it's not 40, it's not 45, it's not 50, um, but I'm, I was always in favor of, let's try and build a team around this for a while, then we can do what KC did, and try to quarterback, then we can a, do what the Niners, then we can do what with Cincinnati, how many times did Cincinnati make the playoffs, you know? Right. A lot, a lot of them, and then they got their guy. Why don't? Why blow up something that we don't even know if we got a replacement? Because then we're in the same spot we were for for a decade plus, beyond far from Pepper till now. We didn't have a quality quarterback that you could rely on. Now I'm not calling him elite, but that that's basically what it was. Go ahead, you were saying. Well, look, yeah, I was just going to say that you know you want to blow something up, call the Minnesota Timberwolves and. And talk to them about how that works out because that's a repeated iteration yeah. of blowing it up and starting over. And right. look, if you want to look, you're gonna have Kirk this season and next season, right. and that's the end of it. Okay, that's what you're gonna. Now they might extend him, and it might be more seasons, but at a bare minimum, he's here for this year and he's here for next year. Now you right. draft a rookie if you move up in the draft, get yourself a Bryce Young or something like that, or maybe wait another year and get the USC kid. Whatever it is that sure. you plan to do in the future is the future. But, you know, let's say you do draft a kid next year. You're going to be real happy about Kirk being there to get this kid through his first year because you're not throwing him to the wolves anymore. It's happening less and less now. It's still happening with some of the guys. But uh, I think yeah, it, usually it's kind of come to – Right. Everybody's kind of come to the conclusion that maybe that year of travel and learning and blah, blah, blah. Is, is a little bit better than just throw, throwing them the wolves right away. Um, so that's your situation here, okay? So you can get behind Kirk if you want, if he's playing well. Go ahead and get behind him. I think he'd probably enjoy that. Or, or you can sit in your on your computer and, and type out uh, sarcastic things about him. That's also sometimes fun to read, and, and some people yeah. have some good points. Yeah, good trolls day, or points, yeah, sure. It's, you're not going to change anything. It's That's the contract. And, you know, look. That's what Quasi and the Wilfs and O'Donnell O'Connell decided to do, right? They decided not to blow things up. The guys these guys love Kirk. too. They love these guys. So it's like, well, which one wait a second. If you think those guys are good, that's like that that, that pick the other two 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 year, weeks ago when the dude's like, and there's nothing we could do about it. He's here for two years. The guy you like signed him for two years, dude. And so, I mean, that's the deal is, is you know, you could have done the polls thing and you could have blew it up like they did in Chicago. And that's one way you could have went. And I suppose it had been a, an interesting way to go. But they decided, okay, we've got a, a good starting quarterback. Why just throw that away? Let's see what we can do. And so far, 4-1 and one is, is working. So let's see what happens. And they bottomed out, too. 
You know, we never bottomed out yet. So it's not like basketball where you have five positions on the floor, right? I think people don't – it's like fantasy football and video games kind of have caught up to the younger generation to where they're like, dude, just trade eight guys. Are you out of your fucking – think about when you – see it all the time. I see it all think the time, that. man. Think yeah, about I trying to draft all those new guys from rounds one to five, right? And then right. think about the headache it would be to try to have to sign everybody in like from four and five year contracts. Those, you know, when you because the first rounders get the five year. Remember? Do you remember? Right? Do you remember when we difficult. couldn't find? This was probably mid nineties, late nineties. We couldn't find a defensive end. We drafted yeah, them. Yeah. Yep. They were never good, yep. and you just couldn't find one. And every year, drafting. You're going with old ass Chris Dolman that one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, one of Denny's things there. And um, <clears throat> you, so you say, get rid of these guys, Kendricks, for example. You're going to find a, a really great middle linebacker just sitting on the shelf somewhere. Where and over no, pay and free agency then too. That nobody ever saw before, or right. uh, you know, you want a safety, Hall of Fame, possibly Hall of Fame safety, and Harris. You just want to. Let him go because you can replace him with a rookie that's obviously going to be as good as him. And you just, I mean, you got to keep these veterans around or get some value for them. That's how it goes. And, you know, there's another, more players you can add to that list. But, you know, sometimes this fan base, they want to not let go of a guy, i.e., Everson Griffin. And then sometimes they want to ship away guys that are, right. now, if you got a trade coming through, I think the Bills had some interest in Harrison Smith. If you wanted to move him now, might be a decent time to move him. He's aging. You might get some stuff for him. You've got a little depth before scene went down. Um, you know, that's those are things that can work into the realm of doable things. But when I go on Facebook or Twitter and I see, you know, before the trade line, we've got to get rid of these guys and use their salary. Yeah. It's like, dude, do you, how easy do you think these guys are to replace? And, the top uh, argument for that is a top 12 to 14 quarterback. They don't right. just fall from the sky, and there's no guarantees in the draft. And, and free agency is pretty thin because any guy – Especially last play, year's draft too, right? The year before would have been the draft to jump on, and yeah. now this year too. Yeah, this coming year. So, you know, you got to just be careful what you wish for is, is basically a thing. And this is kind of the point we've had for two years. Yeah. Chris. It's like, you want to, sure, find me a better one. You know? Right. Or you equal. Give me sure. equal. Okay, let me Any? see the equal. Yeah. 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 Um, and we're probably going to have to make a decision on Cook, whether it's restructure or keep him at the end of the year. We'll probably have to do that this offseason. Just because if you look at his cap numbers, and, and we'll see how this season goes. Maybe, you know, beyond next year, you could start to see the guarantee money dries up. So maybe we can say, hey, we want to give you that guarantee. Let, let's let's drop the cap a little bit. We can work it out, you know. Uh, but we'll see. But anyway, let's get on to next week. Our beloved Minnesota – well, not always, but, you know, right now they are. Uh, Minnesota Vikings traveling on the road at Miami. There is uncertainty at QB. We can kind of assume – Tua's not going to play. I'd assume, you know, I think that's 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 good to go. But Teddy is kind of in between as we speak. Technically, he had to leave the game, as a lot of folks know. Last week, uh, he actually was evaluated with the head injury and an elbow injury in the same play. He is labeled as questionable right right now. He did 
like I said, he's in the, the protocol. And the, the, the coach, McDaniel, said um, it's too soon to assess the quarterback thing. Skyler will practice uh, Wednesday at QB1. He said uh, right now, per protocol, the earliest, and this is the earliest that Teddy could uh, practice, would be Thursday. So we'll know a little bit more about it. Um, but Tua, just looking at Tua, you know, they they have basically they, they haven't said they haven't said that they're going to put him on injury reserve. They're not for sure saying it's going to be another four weeks before he plays. But it would be pretty crazy to play him. Um, Tyreek Hill uh, was wearing a boot the other or yesterday, or yeah, I think I think after he got knocked out of that game, the starting uh, left tackle Armstead was also ruled out of that game. He's questionable. So they, they're a little banged up. They already do have like their, I believe it was their, the corner as well. Howard is questionable where I think that Bryce dude, I think his name is yeah, Bryce or Byron Jones. They got their number one and number two corner out last week. Howard was out, but it doesn't mean he, you know, he's, he's he could be questionable. So Hill's questionable. Howard's out. I don't think Jones is going to make it back, so they'll have a, a starting corner out anyway in Armstead. So they're a little banged up. Uh, defensively, um, you know, they're coming in, basically giving up 26 points a game, um, giving about as much rush as we do up a game, but they are giving up almost 290, yeah, 290 in the passing game, which, you know, that that's pretty intense, it, 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 you know. 26 points a game, giving it up. You can throw on him, and then if it's Skylar Thompson, it's kind of like, hey, now with Tua, you know, it was a different beast earlier this year. They they have wins over Buffalo and at Baltimore. So that's pretty impressive. What are your thoughts uh, heading into on the road? Because, man, four and two, I'll be happy. But if it's Skylar Thompson, I don't care how it happens. Can we win by – negative uh, three points. I don't care how it happens. Can we win by a half a point? Either way, we got to win that game if Skylar Thompson's in that game. I'm with you. I'm kind of a split mind here. It's like, okay, well, I did mention last week that I thought the jet lag wouldn't hit uh, last Sunday, but might hit this Sunday. And you're going, you're flying down to Miami. Uh, it's nice. You know, you might get, find some distractions down there. Um and but then you got Skyler, so if you're gonna play Skyler, I expect you to win that ball game. Um, whether you're feeling good or not, whether you're flat or not, you should be able to win that game. Now, Teddy, you know he could be a problem for you if you know, especially in this defense with the middle open. You, Teddy's not gonna probably beat you deep, but he's gonna he'll pick you apart and take what you give him, um, and that could cause a little bit of a problem. So I really think this is kind of a. Uh, a trap game sort of just because of the way uh-huh. it works in the schedule. You got to buy after that. So maybe spend a little extra time down in Miami. You just a lot of very, <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. They already little, have their stuff books. <laughs> you got a little four and two action still in pretty good shape. It's a, a AFC game. Um, so if you did drop it, not the end of the world, unless you lose to Skyler and, 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 and then it's a problem. Um, I, what I'd like to see is them come out, click on all cylinders, you know, win into the bye, end up five and one and, and go mm. into the bye that way. Um, and I think, you know, I, I want to say that they're going to do that, but my gut, Chris, is telling me 
that uh, it'll be a flat performance and they'll probably drop this one. Um, not by much. I think they'll fight as hard as they can, but I think that it'll be a, a, a small loss. I guess there's no big losses or small losses, a loss, but I mean, they'll lose by three points, yeah, sure, right. one point, something like that. Just not enough in the end. Um, now, the sunny side of that is they come out and they, they play as well as they played last week, but this is a road game. You're not at home. Defense still has its issues. Um, so let me say this. I think they lose. That's my official pick. I think they lose by three or something game, probably in the twenties somewhere. Um, but if it's Skyler, I think they win by three game something in the, in the twenties there. But the official one on the record is I think they lose this one. So Tyreek Hill, if he plays, he's probably one of the guy, you know, one of the guys that's capable of running under whatever Teddy throws up for a deep ball. I'll say that. Um, so I have it broke down in, in with Tua, with Teddy, with Skyler, you know, um, with Tua, we, which I don't think is going to happen. We're going to lose 30 to 27. With Teddy, I flip it 30 to 27 victory. Um, but that, I am very up and down. That's the spread, actually. The Vikings are favored at this point uh, as a three-point favorite now. I could see that going up um, to four uh, and then maybe going back down if Teddy plays because uh, we won't know till Thursday any kind of inkling anyway. Um, and then if it is Skyler, I got it 30 to 20 or 30 to 17. What did I write that down? Something like that. Like a clean win if Skyler Thompson uh, is behind or under center. So I have I, – I, I'm going to pick the Vikings because I don't think Tua is going to play. So I got the Vikings 30-27. to 27, And you're right, though. Even if they did win this game, you know, we went over the, the 14 games last year of, of within seven. And you live by the sword and you die by the sword. We are going to lose some of these close games. We can't just keep doing it. So, yeah, if you linger like this, I can see why the trap game, the bye week, uh, the, well, even, hey, two is not Teddy, so we're fine. You know what I mean? So there is that back-of-the-head thing where you're like subconsciously, eh, we'll be okay. But if Howard doesn't play and Jones is still out, both their corners are out, that, I mean, that means Jefferson's getting about uh, 11 to 14 targets. So, yeah, I like him to win 30 to 27 with Teddy or uh, Skyler. Um now, as far as the Gophers go, this one's interesting. It opened at, like, the Gophers as a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at now a, a, a ranked Illinois. But check this out. And this is where I'm, I'm going to kind of linger and see, because they're up to five and one now um, on the year. I think they played in during week zero. They have a bad loss to Illinois, uh, or I'm sorry, to uh, Indiana. But it was at Indiana, whatever. Um, but – it's up to six-and-a-half-point favorites now on the road, which that's three points right there. So that kind of surprises me. I, I, is there something there that we don't know? Is the quarterback, you know, I got to do a little deep dive into that because the thing to go up three-and-a-half points in, like, less than 24 hours is ridiculous. Um, now, D'Eli and I could stop the run. You know, we're pretty good at it, 81.5 or 81.4 a game. They're at 67.2 a game. Um, now, to be fair, you know, the, both teams want to establish the run, get the play action going, 
and play good defense, right? That's what we're both built on. But to be fair, they've played some pretty poor offenses. I mean, Iowa's defense is nasty and always will be. It's a horrible offense this year. Wisconsin is that they're, they're not doing good right now. They're not too good. But so that may play in at the point is 67. Maybe it's not that great because Iowa can't run the ball to save their life this year. So maybe, maybe that's actually, maybe we will be able to get 100 yards. We do have Mo back. Um, and their guy Chase Brown is much like Mo, um, running back wise, who they're going to feed like we feed Mo in yards after contact. Both those guys, probably the top two, top three in the Big Ten, one of the top, probably top five, top ten, both of them, uh, in the whole entire country. So it comes down to Morgan. You'll have to make plays, just like a couple weeks ago. You'll have to make some plays, um, and we got to catch the ball when it comes. We got to not have it tipped. We got to not, you know, all the little things. You can point to like six to eight little things that we point, you know, did wrong in that Purdue game. Um, but this one, we talked about Purdue, and then we talked about Illinois. And these two games were going to decide how we were going to, you know, do this year. It felt like before a Penn State game, everyone was kind of, you know, talking about that Penn State game after that Michigan State win, whereas you and I were really honing in on these two games to kind of show what we're made out of. Yeah, I mean, I think the change in the spread, Chris, I could be wrong, but I know PJ said Mo's for sure going uh, this week, and maybe that changed the spread a little bit. Um, just a, one possible thing there. Um, yeah, I mean, these two games were the thing, and – it didn't take much. Penn State's going to be Penn State. You're either win or lose that one, and, and a lot of people think we're probably going to lose that one. Um, so these were the games, and I don't think both of us thought – we both thought we'd beat Purdue, um, and we didn't. Uh, so, you know, and now this Illinois, that was the sticker for me because I they've improved a lot. Bielum has done a lot for that squad, and, and they really are a good football team at this point in time. And I think they're ranked now, like you said, and – and with Mo, you're going to need Mo in this one because um, you're going to need to run the ball. they got a good running back on their side. And you're on the road here, so when you get to Tanner Morgan on the road, you, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, hopefully you get a good performance. Um, but you're going to need to have a good one because their defense is pretty stout, and it's not going to be a cakewalk offensively. And defensively, you're going to get a test on our defense. Uh, they've been playing well through their opponents for the most part, but – I know Bielema can can scheme and and do some things. Beat you last year, um, so I think it's it's a tough ball game and and it's really like these two games are the the seasoner because if you drop this one to Illinois, you're I can see you're out of the running. You could win out and probably get a pretty nice bowl game, but you're not gonna be playing in for the for the championship. And so you need to win this one because you dropped the last one. And even a Penn State game, you're probably gonna more pressure on that than you had before because of the loss to Purdue. So you need to win this one in the, you know, it's, it, you don't really know how the Gophers are going to perform in situations like this, you know, a, a bad loss and then a bite. So that's a, a bad game and a week to linger on it. Um, you know, PJ says, you know, a lot of things I heard him on his show today talking about, you know, well, winners, uh, you know, lose and losers hide and he's not hiding. So therefore it's like, okay, dude, that's a really good line. And 
for the most part, it's true, but you know, where are you going to hide? You're in Minneapolis. And even if you wanted to, the media will find you. So you're not really, you know, being a stand up guy. We're not running. Right. These colors never ran. Oh, wait. That kind of sounds like that. You know? <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, let's see what your squad does against a good Illinois team. You get the win, and you're kind of back on track with a little yeah. momentum heading into Penn State. Uh, you lose, and you're going into Penn State is a whole different ball game. So uh, bottom line here for me is, you know, I think you you probably lose this one. And it's tough for me to say because I think you got a really good chance to win it. If you come out and you execute and you do the things you have to do, but this is a road game. These are the Gophers. Uh, it's hard to really expect that from them. And, and I, please prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong because I don't want to see your season get tanked on two middle games that you probably should have won. But I got a feeling that that's the direction it's going to go. Something about accumulated pressure or accumulated hype for this squad is just uh, kryptonite. So let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can beat beat the odds here or the Gopher odds, quote unquote, and, and win this one in Illinois because I think you, you have every reason, every opportunity, all the talent you need to do it. It's just the the mindset and the frame, and let's see what PJ's culture, what his uh, elite squad and 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 his seventeen year old seventeen year quarterback can uh, can do because uh, it all kind of rides on Morgan, like you said, and. I want to see him go out and perform on the road for a win at Illinois to get the season back on track. The medical redshirt's still on the table. I mean, hold on. We're not letting Morgan go. No, um, yeah, I mean, Chase Brown uh, beat us up. It wasn't just our defense giving it up. It was our offense not doing their job. Um, they scored six points. It was 14-6. to six. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it comes down to it. I have it. Funny enough, seventeen to sixteen, or t- what was my other score? Twenty to seventeen, or seventeen to sixteen Gophers. They find a way to get it done. Speaking of funny enough, if they did lose this game, I actually really like their chances at Penn State. It's loosey goosey, <laughs> and that's when it's like, oh yeah, no pressure, baby. Here we come, you know. And actually, they're coming up. Penn State, and Michigan have to play this week. Uh, so who knows? Maybe they'll be looking their wounds off that. But yeah, I got them winning. Uh, just a grinded out, ugly uh, Midwestern game. Three, you know, three three yards in a cloud of tires. I guess you could say because you know there's not too many real fields anymore. Um, any last words, sir? Ah, uh, yeah, I was on mute there for a second. Kind of caught me by surprise. Oh, oh shoot, I, I didn't see that. I have picked two losses. I hope that I'm wrong. Um, I think I'm going to be more wrong for the Vikings. I think they have a better chance to win, although it's all slight. Uh, but I want to see two victories. I just don't think, you know, that that we will. But I'll take one victory, and I'll definitely yeah, take one of them victories. would be nice. And if I had to choose one or the other, I think I'd rather have a Gopher win uh, than a Viking win. So um, I think you're right. I'm a big fan of the Gophers and big fan of the Vikings. But let's see in the spot too, right? I mean, in the spot, it's a tight spot for both of them. Um, tight for the Vikings because it's one of those games that they historically tend to uh, drop the ball, no pun intended, on. So uh, let's see if we can buck the trends and get two wins. Uh, it'd be a great show and fun to talk about, and I'd love to tell you how wrong I am uh, next week.
Yeah, I would be happy with one and one. Um, four and two at the bye wouldn't be the end of the world, and it would be so big to get this dub on the road. All right, we'll be back next Monday. Let's go Vikes. Let's go Ghosts. Peace.